0: It is time once again for the program many equate to a D-ticket ride at Disney World. It contains no frills, none of the thrills, no commercials, no music, and two no talents. From the manor in Guilford, England, I'm Adam Curry.
1: And I'm John C. Dvorak in what is now a kind of a dreary Northern California.
0: Well, join the club, my friend. We've got uh, horrible weather here. It's been bad all week, and I just got back from Antwerp flying through uh, rain and uh, uh, gusting up to forty knots of wind, so <laughs> it 's bad.
1: It sounds dreadful,
0: yeah, but um, they have this thing, uh, which is actually really good, where uh, every aircraft has to have an annual inspection, and uh, there 's a whole bunch of each aircraft you know has to go through this whole checklist, and things have to be opened and replaced and if you don 't do it in time, mine expires on the thirty first of uh, March then your insurance is no, no longer valid. So I had to get it to the shop before uh, the 1st of April. And, well, I just got to go where, whether or no weather. Uh, the so, shop was in Antwerp? Yeah, that's, um, uh, you know, I'll tell you, the big thing about it, here's the secret about aviation. If you want to stay alive, maintenance is everything. So you find a guy who you really trust, uh, who a lot of people trust, and you stick with him. You don't go from, you know, mechanic to mechanic. You really want only one pair of hands working on your aircraft.
1: <laughs> there's a bunch of jokes. So I'm not going to go into them.
0: No, you can so, do it. I've heard no, them all. No, Believe no. me, I've heard them all.
1: No, no. No, I'm going to... There's too much flack. There's too much political correctness out there.
0: You know, can I just say, John, you are absolutely right. About political... <laughs> <laughs> In general. But about political correctness.
1: You know, just, did you uh, it's follow like you the... Can't say, you, you can't say anything. I mean, like, uh, you say anything about anyone as you're either hurting somebody's feelings or exactly. you're a racist pig yeah. or whatever.
0: Well, racist pig is the big one. Because, you know, the um, Geert Wilders, the Dutch politician, he released his movie the, uh, on Thursday evening. The, uh, how uh, was it? The, and, you know what, As as movies go really bad... Because it was, it's one of the no, it's one of it's one of those typical like all the nine eleven truth type you know um, movies. So n- not the same topic, obviously, but uh, footage taken from uh, all over the place and edited together. So it absolutely had no impact uh, whatsoever. But the message was exactly that about political correctness, basically saying, "Hey, look, um, <laughs> we now have a third generation of uh, Muslims who have been born in." Uh, in, uh, ...in the Netherlands, and half of them uh, think the Netherlands should not be a democracy, it should uh, uh, live by Sharia law, and uh, this shit has got to stop, that's basically what he's saying, is stop the, uh, the Islamization of Western Europe... And I believe, John, that this is what a lot of people in Europe want to say, but it's politically incorrect to say it because we're all supposed to be living in the multicultural society, which I just don't think really works.
1: Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with understanding different cultures so you can deal with them for business purposes. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was something I read. I, I, I'm going to find this book. I have a book that was uh, making an interesting comment. Uh, the, the, the writer made this. There's just a, a, it's like about three sentences that are so well done, I can't even get close to it without quoting him exactly. But he says, you know, there's a lot of cultures out there that you can respect to a point, but many of them really should are, are bad really
0: suck <laughs> they're just bad yeah. and we shouldn't
1: you know i mean maybe we do, our respect for them should be reconsidered because they're just bad i mean there's no reason that there's there are bad cultures out there and if you know some of these things are bad and i have uh i question some of the uh, things that have been floating around in terms of uh whether good cultures or not well so, but did, so that so but, that's i'm sorry go ahead But since we're on the topic of cultures, I wanted to bring up something that came up in a couple of emails. And I sent you one, I believe. Yeah, I got it. uh, But I'll
0: pretend I didn't get it to stick with the no agenda, like we didn't prepare anything, okay?
1: Well, no, but we get mail. That's true. You know, it's not like an agenda. Like, I didn't say what I want to talk about. I just sent you – I just said read this. And what it is is from a guy who I've been corresponding with who was talking about the uh, – the, this big British grocery chain, and this is Tesco's. this is, yeah, Tesco's, and this is related to to cultural Culture. issues. Although it's not extreme cultural issues where you know you're beating women or anything. I mean, I don't think they want that. <laughs> but the, what's happened for people out there who want to follow this is an interesting story. This uh, and it starts in Southern California, and I did some follow up by going to the websites of the uh, of of, uh, of Tesco, and it looks like they're going to open up a bunch of these stores. They're called Fresh and Easies, and they're small grocery stores that have a lot of fresh, supposedly fresh products in them. Although there's so many of them, they're going to open like 30 of them or something like that, but. But the whole basic fo- in- the whole basic
0: formula is uh, fresh and easy, so it's it's really fresh food and easy to get. That's their formula, right?
1: Yeah, and you're right. And they they believe that the Americans have got it all wrong, and you know they can show us show us the way. Even though you know I've been to grocery stores all over the world, and the fact of the matter is we have. Uh, some of the worst in the United States, and some of the best, uh, including uh, a chain that's now evolving out of the Seattle area. But that, anyway, is I'll that get to that Fresh Fields? I'm
0: sorry? Well, what's, that, what's coming out of C... Well, we'll get to that in a second, I guess, about
1: C... Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about Fresh and Easy. Here's what they did, and this is what makes the story interesting. They came in with supposedly a lot of research, and they're going to come in and blow the American market away. They're actually on the... They're on, a, they're on the wrong trends in almost every way. They're going to lose... If anyone's an investor out there in Tesco... <laughs> really, short, short lose, that shit. <laughs> they're going to lose their ass. Yeah. And I don't... And I normally don't cuss. And uh, and here and here's one of the reasons. For one thing, they, did, they their research indicated that people wanted fresh food, and I think that's probably generally true. But so what they've done is they've changed the way they do uh, the way they do uh, expiration dating, and that was the biggest mistake they made. Because in the, in the United States, we expect. The date to be pushed away out to to the point where the date should reflect should reflect the date when the food, milk, or eggs, whatever, we'll that are bad. literally rotten. Yeah.
0: In fact, it is American culture to reach behind the products in the front of the uh, uh, of the shelf and get the even uh, even fresher stuff from the back.
1: I do that. I do that uh, all the time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> especially with buttermilk, by the way. For anybody out there who doesn't like buttermilk, they should get into it. But and if you live in Florida and Georgia, this is where the best buttermilk in the country exists. I mean you can't. Oh
0: man. Get I'm not buttermilk. I'm not a buttermilk. I'm a I'm a soy milk guy. I don't drink buttermilk.
1: Yeah, soy shrinks your brain, by the way. No, it does so not. So That's
0: shit. It's really good I, for
1: you. Shrinks yeah. your brain. Yeah, it's it's if you like uh, to have a mock uh, estrogen, uh, soy is good. So if you if you're into that, that's fine. But anyway, uh, you know, which causes all kinds of issues. Uh, we're not big soy eaters in this. Wait a minute, family. excuse
0: me, John. Am I killing myself by drinking soy milk now? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. What seriously? Yeah. Uh, what, wait, what, we'll it's we'll we'll an unnatural s- product. Stop drinking it. Drink milk. Well, no,
0: stop. No no, 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 no. Stop. Stop the fucking show. Excuse me. I I've, I've <laughs> been drinking soy milk exclusively for the past two years because it's supposed to be good for me. And now yeah, you're saying...
1: It said, yeah, it says the Soy Council and the public relations operations out of the U.S. By the way, we did a lot of research on soy. And, of course, I get a lot of flack for for the, every time I bring this up. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, uh, male breasts are due to too much ingestion of soy products. But anyway, but the thing that's interesting is that the soy products, lobby in the United States has got a public relations agency that is so strong that every time you read about soy, if you start looking at enough material, go on the web and start looking at, you know, when people say, well, soy is bad for you, and then you'll see these responses. These responses are almost word for word identical because they're all pushed out by the soybean PR people who are just you know keeping the soybean industry alive and it's just for mostly for the oil which right. we don't use either. All right, all right, John. we don't use We don't use canola. Hold
0: on, hold on. We'll get into the soy thing right after you finish the fresh and easy because we we just got to stick on that. But then I really want to hear about the soy stuff.
1: And canola is another one. Anyway, I'm surprised you don't drink canola milk. All right, let's go. No, my, um,
0: my breasts are a little tender. I wonder what's wrong.
1: <laughs> well, that's probably from something else. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, Fresh and Easy comes in with this idea. So they put, they to get people, they, they think that by changing the date, instead of like, for example, say it's April 1st and you go back and you want to get some some product that it says April 14th and there's some that says April 10th. Yeah, that so, makes you, you feel the,
0: good. That makes you
1: feel like it's fresh yeah you make sure so they've got but they got their numbers really tight so if you go on, on april 1st the, the the probably the furthest out it'll say is april 4th Right. And so pe- people would go in there, and they wouldn't find what they considered fresh by American standards because of the way we do our dating. So these guys immediately come into the country, and the first thing they do is they they, they assume that their style of dating uh, <laughs> is, is somehow acceptable when it's not, which is a cultural thing again, which m- makes me wonder because they they did a bunch of research before they opened these fresh and easy stores. The other thing that seems to be a problem with them is that they're they're – if anybody's been to London, if you go to a Marks and Spencer's, uh, they have a grocery sec- store in many of these places. And those places are, they have a lot of nice stuff in there, but the fact of the matter is it's a very sterile environment.
0: But it's very and- upscale. I mean, it's, it's, it's the most upscale supermarket food you can purchase here, apparently. Chain, chain supermarket.
1: Well, I'm not sure. What's that other place? Sheffield's? Chef. Uh, that other one that's over no, there. On, no, uh, Marks
0: and Spencers. Well, I mean, you have you have like uh, Fortnum and Masons, you know. But that's that's not a chain. That's a, no,
1: that's a not. One-off. No, that's not a right for a chain. Okay. Well, maybe. Whatever the case is, it's not a comfortable. It's not a comforting. It's not an American new style store like a Whole Foods, for example. Which would have a funkier quality and a more you know more wood and you know kind of a. You know a what their ad campaign
0: thing. is for Marks and Spencer over here for their food. What the, oh they have, so they have really beautifully styled real I mean it's very hard to shoot uh, food for uh, for television to make it look good so it really looks good and the pay, the tag is always this isn't ordinary food this is M&S food.
1: Yeah. Right. Well. Nice try. So uh, their bangers are quite good, by the way. If people like a British banger, a good one. uh, There's only they're very hard to get in the in the United States because it's almost there's a a lot of people don't realize it's against the law to put as much breadcrumbs or uh, what they call rusk into the sausage as they do in England. It's actually illegal. Really. Yeah, there's a law because years and years ago, when during the 20s, I guess you know people were making crappy sausages and they were just loading them up with bread and yeah. meat, and so the you know so the legal guys came and said this is just ridiculous. That's and not so a sausage, it. damn it! But so meanwhile, a sausage that's really a that's about half bread, which is a, a British banger. Um, a good one is really mostly you've got a lot of bread in it because for the texture, you need that bread in there for it to be exactly right. If you like that sausage, I'd I love really em. like it. I do em. too. Bangers I, and mash, baby. The only banger, good bangers that I've had. Uh, there's some in Canada you can get. and In fact, i t- I took a Canadian Air flight once from Toronto to London, and they had for breakfast. They had a really outstanding uh, banger for uh, you know, on the Canadian flight. Anyway, so I'll say back to the, the the this was now becoming a Shaggy Dog story about fresh and easy. Yeah. Uh, so they so they immediately tells me that their researchers either had their you know they were they were full of, full of shit. <laughs> so anyway, so they come in. So but the other thing that's interesting that people m- m- complain about, which I wanted to discuss a little bit, is the uh, is the fact that they they also have this European style that is rather alien to Americans in general except maybe in Berkeley where they where people do it voluntarily where you bag your own food yes in the united, in the united states you know it's like if you're in the union, maybe I'll bag my own food and get you know, getting union pay. But for the most part, we don't bag our own food. And I can, I can already hear one of the listeners to this show moaning about the, the, the kind of dilettante nature of American shoppers. But the fact of the matter is, it's a tradition here and it's our culture yeah. not to bag our own groceries. In fact, most people can't bag them right anyway and they break bags. And I think over time they discovered that it was a disaster to let people bag their well, own also, groceries they break.
0: Well, also, it's, uh, it's an efficiency thing because- because, um, you know, if you're bagging your own groceries, it just takes longer unless, you know, because you've got to bag them, you've got to go back, and you, know, you got to move them forward and pay it, and you've got to put them in the cart, and meanwhile people are waiting behind you. It's a much more, I mean, and by the way, I think that there are many, many retirees and young kids who would really benefit from having that gig. I mean, it's a, it's a great gig just to to be doing something and making some money.
1: Yeah, no, it, it keeps employment up, but the, but anyway, the point is is that we don't bag our own groceries. Although if you go to Berkeley, you run into people that d- voluntarily go over and start bagging their own groceries because they think they're in Europe or they want to pretend they're in Europe or they feel like they should be in Europe or, <laughs> or whatever. We're saving I mean, the
0: earth, the, John. We have to save the earth.
1: Now these are the same people that put bicycle lanes all over the place and there's no bicycles in them, but they all wish they. You know, I, the those, I say those
0: bicycle lane buildings, soy Amsterdam. milk, you want soy milk drinking losers.
1: <laughs> if you want to ride a bike, move to Amsterdam. That's where you can ride bikes all the time. It just doesn't make any sense. So, hold on, so
0: hold on, at we shop at Sainsbury's as you know, that's where we do most of our shopping. And they do ask you. So they don't have baggers, but they'll um the cashier will say, "Would you like me to help you bag?"
1: Well, oh, that's new. Um no, 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 no. I I've, no, I've never seen it.
0: Well, I live here, dude, and I've uh, hear, heard it for the I've past couple of years. I've
1: at numerous times because I when I go. Well, to maybe London they I... looked
0: at you and went like, "Fuck that yank, man!" You know, let's teach him a lesson.
1: <laughs> it's possible. Bag yourself. But the point is, is that uh, generally speaking, in Europe, you bag your own groceries, and in some yes. places, and I think in Asia, in some places, you actually have to buy the bags. Oh no, that's that's common
0: in the Netherlands. You have to buy the bag. You have to pay for it. It's an extra, you know, like 50 cents now. It used to be, I remember it used to be a dime, but now it's 50 euro cents. Yeah.
1: Per bag, well, I I can advise most Americans that you can just take the bags and not pay for them, and they, they figure you're just an idiot. So uh, typical
0: American a- uh, American attitude. John, come <laughs> over here, visit our fantastic supermarkets. Yeah, the ones you love to shop and you know so much about, and then act like an asshole. Don't do that, man. This is I, this this is what gives us a bad rep. You got to stop that. And you know saying, it's like drinking soy if milk. You, if, it's,
1: it's, it's it's anyway. Back to the <laughs> cultural things. Right now, another thing. You run into in Berkeley besides people voluntarily bagging their own groceries because they wish they were in Europe is that they buy they bring in all these these crappy uh, bags that are made out of cloth that they either bought or whatever because you know because you can say they actually the they give you like a nickel or a dime or something back on your bill if you if you don't use their bags, um, which is fine because you know Golly you know the same people though that are walking around with these with these with these uh, cloth bags that they stuff the groceries in instead of using and wasting the one paper bag are uh, the same ones who subscribe to the New York Times and relish the Sunday edition which probably accounts <laughs> for about a thousand paper bags <laughs> per issue but that doesn't bother them.
0: You know, they, they have plastic bags here. Only plastic. They don't have uh, paper bags.
1: We, we have plastic. We have the comp- either plastic or paper. Generally, they ask you in most stores. In some parts of the uh, of the state, and in San Francisco in particular, they have gone out of their way to ban the plastic bag, and I think the plastic bag, which is used throughout Europe and the Middle East, I might add, is a disaster. I remember the first time I was visiting Israel, I thought, for, you know, you drive around into the outer reaches of the country and there's all these trees with plastic bags hanging hanging from the trees as though it was fruit and you can't get these things down it's a disaster
0: oh by the way when you drive over them and they stick to your exhaust how much does that suck <laughs> it's you know, your car smells, the garage smells, but the, the remember we talking about those uh, what was it? Uh, g- um those swirling By the way, those swirling oh. centers in the ocean where all the plastic uh it's one of the first yeah. shows we did. So that's now happening near Midway. I saw a documentary the, uh, the other night. Um all this plastic is all winding up. Midway is right in the middle of that. Was, was, was it the word started with a G? What was it called, John? What? Uh one of those um uh, Guadalcanal no, 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 no. In the middle of the ocean where all the plastic uh, is, is yeah, swirling around? So yeah,
1: you know, the word for, the, for, the, for this phenomenon? Yeah, what was that? It was with a G. Know.
0: Remember? It was a, a I vaguely a
1: remember. Somebody will bring it. Yeah. Maybe we'll get it well, shortly. And,
0: anyway, so Midway is... Uh, which of course, Midway Island you're talking yes, about? Yes, Midway Island. It's right in the middle of one of these. And they show that it's unbelievable, the shit that shows up there. And and remember when I was, when I was growing up, which was, you were already growing up. Um they used to say you know <laughs> plastic plastic lasts for a million years and it never uh it's not biodegradable. Well guess what? It's it's degrading in the ocean and and it's and it's um being consumed. Forming. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, being consumed something. by uh, by uh, the smallest microbes and everyone and all these fish are getting sick they're all going to die. We're going to well, die. Most of the-
1: most of the current plastic that's being manufactured has uh, is designed to biodegrade. I mean, they're they're they've reformulated it so it has so it f- really? literally falls apart. Yeah, yeah, but, fall but it, it falls I'd apart
0: have... in the ocean, and then those those particles are eaten up by by um, microbes or whatever yeah. they're called. It's, so th- that's not good, is it? I don't know. if mean, they, they drink soy Drinking yeah. soy milk. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Hey, I got a cultural one for you. Uh, well, let 's finish this story about fresh and easy all right, but then we got to do some more cultural stuff <coughs> fresh and easy okay, so let me just let me summarize so these arrogant Brits come in thinking that they 're going to take over the supermarket world they say you know what'll we'll do we 've done all the research, apparently, and they 're going to change if they change the way that they date the food but in such a way that it is exactly opposite to what Americans like because we like to see a a, a date that is at least 14 days in the future
1: but we'll settle for a week that's yeah. it, Right. Okay. That's that's part of their problem. It just shows that they don't—they're incompetent. Also, they're also they're, their store layouts are not Americanized, and their stores are too small. They—they they think they're going to do. You know, this has already been proven not to work. The mom and pop family neighborhood store doesn't work anymore in the United States. People get in their car and they go to a bigger place. Now, the the, the best example of this is that because Fresh and Easy wants to sell like uh, you know prepackaged meals and all this kind of stuff, that Boston Market. See, we always associate that kind of thing with a fast food chain, and Boston Markets already got that. They already figured out how to do that. But anyway, in the late 90s, and I think when I was still working at uh, uh, Tech TV, I would t- my route coming back from San Francisco would take me past one of the uh, yuppie markets uh, chains in the Bay Area. is called Andronico's, and they were test marketing th- a thing called the Andronico's Marketplace, which, which as I read about Fresh and Easy, is exactly the same uh, concept, and it was sitting right in the middle of a million condos, and if anything could have survived have you know, with food. that mentality, it would have been this place, which went out of business within two years. It was a test. It didn't work. Obviously, Tesco had never heard of Andronico's. They don't know anything about this, this test that was done in the Bay Area, which failed miserably, and the store was fantastic, I might add. It was a really good little place to stop. They had everything. It was amazing in some ways, but everything... People just don't walk to a little store anymore. That that went out of business with the with the milk trucks uh, in the United States. And what people want now are these big stores. And the best example of what is really a hot store is up in the Seattle area. And this is I'm going to end the story after this, uh, which is a. And this isn't related to the Texas chain of the same name, by the way. But there's a there's a market up there called Central Market. There's one in Seattle. There's one in Paul's Bow. And it's run, it was started by a couple Japanese guys. It's huge. It has everything. It has everything Whole Foods has, but it also gives in to the regular commercial products. And it also even has like a hot dog stand that sells up. I, it, a perfected Chicago-style hot dog with Vienna sausage, as a matter of fact, with the sport peppers and everything else. It's an unbelievable facility that these guys should go check out and then rethink their strategy because this fresh and easy thing is a loser.
0: Well, I'll tell you, um, a, friend of, a very dear friend of mine worked for McKinsey, the consultancy and uh, she was in the food department, and these they called it formats so the format of the store, which is the layout is you know what you see first, what the you know every aisle this is really well thought out this is they they even would go on espionage missions. Uh, and take because you, you know try taking a camera into into your local supermarket and start taking some pictures and see how quick your ass is kicked
1: out because yeah there is I, I, I so much have, espionage I have, done that. I have done that but I do it knowing that I could get kicked out so I do it really quick yeah I mean it's they are so
0: protective of this so it 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 really it boggles my mind um, that they was that, you know that they think they've done the research this sounds like literally like a f- first year McKinsey. Uh, um, consultant who said, let's try something new. You know, it doesn't sound like it's really been researched that well.
1: No, it sounds like they botched the job of research. And then these little kinds of stores are not what... Uh, right now, Americans are going for the... I mean, if you go to Whole Foods, those aren't small little no, uh, mom and huge, pop. No, those are huge. Those are huge. They're huge. But the Central Market, if anyone's up in the Seattle area, they go, should check out Central Market uh, or Polsbo, or this, There's actually three of them up there, and I think there's going to be a few more. And, although I've heard that the Central Market done out of Austin, which is done by the uh, uh, H.E. Butt Company, a huge uh, uh, retailer. They, the H.E.B. stores all over Texas, and they do a thing called Central Market, which competes with Whole Foods down there. And it's supposed to be spectacularly nice, too, but I haven't been to one.
0: So speaking of cultural differences, last night on, uh, on the BBC here, uh, the show I always watch Friday night, Jonathan Ross, uh, Donald Sutherland, Sutherland was on. And, yeah. and you know, he's from Canada.
1: Oh yeah! Everybody knows he he reminds everybody,
0: right? But he, you know, so he he still says that you know Americans usually think he's British, Uh, British uh, think he's American, but everyone kind of neglects the fact that he's Canadian. So he said, you know, there is a joke that he that he said uh, he said he would tell. He said um, the Canadians love the joke, the Americans hate the joke, and he wanted to try it out on the on the British. Okay. Thank you. I was waiting for that. So you want to hear the joke? Of course. All right. Let's uh, let's see. Let's see if you like it. Um, he, he did some little
1: visual thing here, but I don't think it's important for the joke. Too spur. By the way, before before you do the joke, mm-hmm. not to interrupt, mm-hmm. but. The fact that the Canadians love the joke means it's somehow it's some it's, it's one of those Canadian jokes. But you know, well, that's that's that's, that, you know.
0: You know, that's what I was waiting for,
1: but it isn't. At least I didn't think it was, but then again, I'm I'm not
0: re- I'm certainly not Canadian. I, I'm only half American, half European. I'm a lover not a fighter. So, here's the joke. Two sperm are swimming along, swimming along, swimming along, and the one sperm says to the other sperm, "Dude, How long until we get to the womb? And the other sperm says, I don't know, man. We haven't even left the esophagus yet. Huh.
1: Now, I thought it was pretty funny. Well it is it's it's it is funny. I mean technically. Uh, <laughs> did I not tell it well? Did you not like it that much? No, no. I mean, I think you can't tell it much better than that because I mean it's, you know, it, it's 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 uh, shallow. Um <laughs> very typical Canadian. Oh, you know what I, think it I think what it is. I that the Canadians do do Are you the, in Canada? No, I maybe. <laughs> they have more hookers up there. Oh, but please.
0: the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here comes the email. <laughs>
1: Anycoming? Anyway, no, I think the I think the joke is juvenile. You know, I, th- you know like, what? I thought like it was kind of joke. funny.
0: You know what? If anything,
1: I thought it's that like the, it's like the it's like the punchline of the joke. Oh, no, 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 that's not a that's not a rash That's lipstick. To,
0: to, to be you honest, know? John, I thought that maybe a lot of Americans, if he would tell that on television or you know in, in some public forum, that maybe a lot of Americans it takes him too long to figure out what an esophagus is. Oh. Down, that's a nice Seriously? insult. Seriously, well, it's—I mean it. Unfortunately,
1: yeah. You know what? I hate to admit it, but you might be right. Yeah. Um, not that uh, you know that. I don't the want way, to generalize or anything. By the way, esophagus. <laughs> I don't know. This is good, no agenda where we're just obviously going to just roam all over the place. Ah, I can't Esophagus wait. is one of the, one of the uh, uh, definitive dishes uh, in Taiwan. Uh, of the beef variety, I believe so, yeah huh. i 've had it I, I went to was I had a Taiwanese take me to a Taiwanese restaurant to give me all the traditional national dishes, as it were, from Formosa, and esophagus is apparently the you know right at the top of the list and it's it 's actually quite good.
0: Can you imagine esophagus stuffed with banger dripped in <laughs> m, in m s soy milk, oh man, how wonderful would that be?
1: So um another thing about self-service okay. which we you know is the that in the United States we used to people used to pump our gas.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. My wife still to get, won't pump her own gas because she wants that here.
1: And we used to get free maps.
0: Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. It was the biggest thing on a road trip. He's like, Dad, 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 can I run in and can I get a free map? Can I get a map? Can I, ma- can I? And the guy would uh, check your oil. He would wash your windshield,
1: pump your gas, and look at your wife's tits and give you a free map. And, and, and the <laughs> and gasoline was like 50 cents. <laughs> ah, now, the good old days. Uh, so, what happened when, with the $4 gasoline? And they don't do anything. You have to do it all yourself, and they won't check your oil, and nobody cares. I just I just don't get the economics of this. By the way, in Oregon, it's illegal to pump your own gas. They, they By law, it's required that somebody else pump it. Someone who's qualified. Yeah, qualified <laughs> gas
0: pumper. Yeah, It ain't easy, you know. <laughs> well, the economics, I think, are, you know, that came with the, the self-serve. I think it makes sense. It's just less bodies there, and, and people don't care anymore. You know, we're conditioned to it. I think that went away such a long time ago. Um, the, and, and, you know, self-service
1: seems to be really everywhere now. Do do you, is there still anywhere
0: you can get your gas pumped?
1: The internet, (laughs) the internet makes it, makes it even worse. Now you have to, you know, you can't even go to the, everything's self-service. I didn't notice what it began when, uh, uh, When you used to go to Macy's, you know, in the olden days, you used to go to a a store and they would have people actually could that could help you and actually had taste and they could lead you to buying a certain thing or whatever. Nowadays, you know, they just have these clerks that get whatever the minimum wage is, and then they require them either through the barcoding system or through a. Punching it in by hand to essentially do all the people don't realize why it takes so long to get away from a counter in a big uh, retailer. It's because they're punching in all the accounting information. <laughs> Instead of a bean counter doing it, they're doing it at the They're doing register. the work. Yep, yeah,
0: they're doing the work for it. Absolutely.
1: They're doing all the work, bang, bang, bang. So you sit there as the things, all this data is going in. And then, then, of course, it ticks off something in some computer database so they can reorder more white shirts because nobody can notice that there aren't any left.
0: Oh dude. Uh, I I I, rem- I worked in retail when I was uh, 16 selling um electronic parts, so literally diodes, transistors, capacitors, you know, transformers, solder wire, you name it. And it was, you know, we had a cash register where you would ins- you know, you'd write down every item by hand on the uh, uh, on the, you know, basically, a, you know, uh, like a receipt. And then you'd slide that receipt into this cash register. It, it had a handle that you would spin, but it uh, actually modernized it. And you hit the, uh, you know, you put the, you type the amount in, you hit the big black button and it, and it printed the total and it had an internal total, right? And then at the, yeah. at the end of every single day, you'd have to compare. Uh, all three pieces, so how much money you have left in the till, or how much money you have in the till, excluding the 30 guilders at the time that went in just for change at the beginning of the day, and and you had to match all of these different pieces of paper, and that matched back to stock. (laughs) That's
1: the way it worked. Well, and it worked well, but you know, by the way, I wonder where the word till comes from. Hmm, The money in the till... I've heard that all my life. I never thought much about it, but it's not, it's not a till. It's a cash register, the money in the cash register, but the t- it's always said the money in the till. Maybe one of our listeners knows the etymology of that particular screwball term. I'm, uh, of course, looking it up as we speak, but uh, it's kind of a hard word for Google. Yeah, TIL would be impossible. I think it's TIL. Maybe it's T-I-L-L. I think it's double L, yeah,
0: T-I-L-L. Let me see. Uh, I'll do entomology till. That'll always help.
1: Uh, maybe you should put cash register and till, it I come up with something associative, which is the way I do a lot of searches. That's something you know, that I that I only learned
0: uh, maybe ten years ago. That NCR stands for National Cash Register Company.
1: Right and the reason that uh, Watson named his company he used to work at NCR of course and got all his his ideas from NCR and when he started IBM and he decided that he was going to name it like National Cash Register but he's going to up the ante on each and every word so instead of national he made it international all and right. instead of cash register he made it business, business machines. machines yeah exactly Huh. A little, a little known, a little. Well, she's not that little. And Tom Watson,
0: Tom Watson, still lives on in Doctor Watson, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah, isn't that uh, that Doctor Watson? Like on it, on NT, and I, I thought it still did it on I Windows two thousand. So. Doctor Watson would pop up, and he would like monitor no, shit that that's... crashed. Wasn't
1: that him? I don't think so. Oh. That's too weird, if true. That's what I, I. That's what I always thought. I thought that. that that's that's him. <laughs> well, if he had a baseball bat, maybe. What does that have there's, to do with well, it? Yeah, there's stories of him and you know coming to, to collect you know by breaking somebody's kneecaps if they owed. There's all these stories about the about the early days of IBM being the kind of a, a brutish, B R U T I S H type of company.
0: Well, they were one of our clients at uh, when we had Think New Ideas, and uh, they were a. Or oh, like a I think they, they spent fifteen to twenty million dollars a year with us and it was for the AS four hundred division. Mm. Boy, oh boy oh boy. And Big those things makes, are oh
1: man, they're still huge. I mean, really, yeah. really big. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people that are really fans of those machines. By the way, back to the, one more thing I just came to mind, because I was looking at my list of complaints, uh, which goes on for days, mm. but the fresh and easy people had this excuse about the, the dating, saying that, well, people are just, you know, they, they, they're going to come in and shop daily, which is another assumption they made about the Oh, shopper, right. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is, is not the way Americans no. do. We shop weekly. Yeah. Yeah, I go, I don't, I mean, I love to, like I said, I like to shop, but I don't like to go to the grocery store each and every day just to buy today's food. I mean, I have a freezer. So here it is,
0: here it is. Okay, so it's a combination of, there's also a cultural shift happening in Europe, which has, I think, gone very, very rapidly, having grown up in Europe. Absolutely, you know you have your long term items um like your potatoes, okay, and you know stuff that you can just keep laying around and you get that in some big bulk in fact, the potato guy would bring that to you, and he'd also take away the potato peelings. there's another guy for that back in the day wow. um and you know every single day you know mom goes out uh and she goes by the butcher around the corner or whatever, and then you know she gets her meat and she'll go to the uh, to the vegetable uh vegetable guy, and you know, and that could even be a stand on a little market. And what has happened is they've tried to keep that um, cultural process going, but now they've, they've you know, um, all those smaller stores are gone and it's become big box uh, supermarkets. But they've kept that idea of going every single day.
1: Yeah, well, the Americans have never... Except maybe in large cities like New York, generally speaking, don't shop every day, uh, especially in the suburbs, which is where most people live in total numbers. Um, it and it's you know it's also impractical. I mean, there's a I mean, I wouldn't mind living in Paris, you know, you know, a block away from a meat market and a cheese shop and a bread store and a whatever. And yeah, and go every day, say hello to the butcher, and you know, get a cut of horse or whatever I wanted to eat.
0: And that's because and, uh, we live in a country where you got to work your ass off. We work 12, 14 hours a day in the United States. We don't have any time for that shit. That's what's driven us. That's why we're such a tremendously huge nation, and not like all those socialists in Europe who work eight-hour days and take uh, eight weeks of vacation a year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a shame. (laughs) Dude,
0: dude, speaking of the French, um, Sarkozy had a huge state's visit to, to the U.K., to, uh, yeah. to visit the queen and this is you know, this is really big
1: I mean they rolled out yeah the, well, of course we have we know nothing about this so you might as well oh, oh
0: okay this. so oh no this is a big public display um, they you know they rolled out the, uh, the the golden coach and all the all the, it was really beautiful it was a real throwback to like you know 18 19th century just fantastic uh, uh, grandeur if you will. And, uh, you know, so Sarkozy addressed uh, the, the entire parliament, and he says it's time for, uh, you know, for our, our two countries to bond together, talking, you know, about uh, deploying more uh, forces together around the world, but really saying, yeah, we know, in fact, he literally said, Sarkozy said, you know, you have your special relationship with America, that's great, but we want a real brotherhood between our two countries. And, um, but of course, the real news was, this was the first time that his wife, Carla Bruni, Former model and singer um, came along with him, and dude, oh man, she's awesome, John. She is. She, I mean, she, she's like Lady Die of France. I'm telling you. I mean, the, just from the appearances, right? She hasn't. I don't know if she's done all the type of work that, <laughs> that Diana did, uh, <laughs> but she. Uh, it's, it makes so much sense. I mean, it was like finally, someone good-looking in the royal family. Really, I mean, we got we got Camilla for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Yeah, a cab driver told me a joke about Camilla. He said uh, right. uh, Charles uh, uh, Charles was driving around uh, Windsor Castle and he uh, accidentally drove over one of the queen's corgis, you know, one of those dogs that she has. And uh and the and the corgi's dead. And all of a sudden the fairy godmother appears and uh I said, "Oh, why are you so glum?" And Charles says, "Well, you know, I've I've I've, I've killed one of mum's uh, corgis." Uh, well you know what I'll give you one wish and uh maybe that'll make you feel better for today. He says, "Oh, um c- could you please bring the corgi back to life?" And fairy godmother looks and says, "Nah, no, I think that's that's a goner. I can't do anything that uh, you know, no, can't do that." And then uh uh Charles says, "Well, maybe uh you could uh, do something about Camilla's appearance." And the fairy godmother says, let's have another look at that corgi for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good joke. Yeah. I, I mean, you have to hear it in kind of that, you know, that uh,
1: London cabby accent. Yeah, that no, it'd be, really it's good. funny with with or without that. Yeah, but it would yeah. be even probably funnier with a guy that, that they, could do the voice. I could really
0: do it, yeah. Well, I can do the voice, but it, that's, it sounds pretentious. Unfortunately. <laughs> Not quite there so I, yet. So I had grits today. I have I'm not a big fan of the grits. Why? It I don't know. It's just it's not I mean, I'm very particular about breakfast.
1: Um I was I was I you know, I never like I never had grits, section until I started traveling into the south, the deep south in particular. They were it's that's common to you get it's, your grits. Yep. Well it's common at a breakfast and even all the hotels. Uh and um and it's an interesting dish because it for people who don't know what grits are, they're actually a uh kind of a, a corn mush, cornmeal mush that is made from a specific type of corn hominy that uh, seems to soak up so much water and expand to such an extreme that you can see why poor people eat it because It makes, unlike, you, f- like makes you feel full. In, in like oatmeal uh, where you might need like a half a cup of oats to a cup of, or maybe three quarters of a cup of oats to like a cup or a cup and a quarter of water and milk. Uh, it's like a couple of tablespoons of grits and like a cup makes a huge pile. And, um, but they're, they're bland. So I, <laughs> yeah. so I've been thinking about, I like them because they're interesting as a side thing, a, but, okay, wait, but what do you eat them with? I mean, did you? Well, I am with bacon and eggs, right. or whatever. I mean, it's just on a plate with the right. But would you consider hash brown uh, potatoes? You'd, you'd have those,
0: right? But you don't <laughs> consider any. Like some people uh, will put syrup on
1: it. Some people do other things, right. Yeah, some people put syrup on them and some people put butter on them. And you can cook them. If you cook them in broth, they taste a lot better. But I was experimenting with, we have at the deli, uh, we have a bunch of salts, a big thing right now. It's a big trendy item. Everyone's buying all kinds of salts and all kinds of weird salts, and they're very really? expensive. Salt's a huge... I was at the Fancy Food Show for the last two or three years. Some of the biggest vendors making the most money are selling salt. And what, what kind of salts are there? I mean, that's Well, there's like a Hawaiian salt, which is red because it's, it's it's in these brick kilns. And essentially, it's pieces of brick that are in the salt, as far as I'm concerned. And, there's uh, mined salt. There's Florida Cell from France, which what are, what are is... What individually- are the main
0: differences between the salts? I mean, is it... Uh, I mean, it's like... Uh, what are the differences? I mean,
1: you know, like well, spices can is the- be sharp. Sharper or less sharp? Yeah, there's, there's flavors that are slightly different. They have a lot of different mineral contents. Not mm. all salts are just sodium chloride. They have a lot of magnesium. Some of them have – I have some salt from Switzerland that has – it's half potassium chloride naturally, supposedly. Mm. Anyway, but the one thing that, you know, th- this is, there's a number of salts is expanding, and there's salts from the Himalayas, there's Tibetan salt, and a lot of these restaurants are starting to use these salts. It, you know, their- it, 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 am- it amazes me,
0: John. You don't know shit about Tibet, but you do know about Tibetan salt. That's just yeah, a
1: travesty. You know, I know it's, a, it's a travesty of justice. And anyway, there's also a black salt. But any, but the thing is, is that the, because they, they can't seem to make enough weird salts, there's all these smoked salts. And now you can get from the United States, you can get hickory smoked salt, mesquite smoked salt, and, and these are you know just basically taste like smoke. But now that's the lead up to what I have to say, which is the French have made a smoked salt called fume cell, for a long time. It's a tradition. And unlike the American smoked salts, this stuff is actually fantastic as a product. And when you use it on grits, when you make the grits and use this Fumé cell, it, it makes the grits taste fan- really outstanding. It, really, it improves things a lot. Right. But it's a French smoked salt. It's extremely expensive, but it's a, it's astonishing it's a product. Mm. I didn't anyway. know there was such a
0: such a variety of salts i mean you think like sea salt and
1: you know yeah no there's table a, salt, the but... salt thing is huge and the huh. and the other thing that we've noticed well, we can't figure this one out because we, we sell out of it constantly we you know sell a lot of spices mostly and um, and i ran into the andronicos that i mentioned earlier i was in the store and they they had it there too and it keeps selling out and my wife can't figure it out i can't figure it out uh, we haven't found any research indicate where this Demand is coming from, I figure it's the Food Channel or somebody, smoked paprika is the hottest thing right now in the spice really? department. Really? Red or green? Or, does it, or both? Red. It's red smoke. It's, it's, it's red paprika. looks just like huh. you know, regular paprika. Which, or, which there's no such thing as regular. They're, now there's varietals and all the rest of it. But the smoked, smoked. paprika is going out the door and we can't f- and if anybody out there knows why, I'd like to know myself because we can't figure it out. I don't, it, know, I don't even have it, a
0: recipe it. Must it must be a new secret ingredient in crystal meth or something like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well that's possible.
0: So Front page of the uh, Financial Times uh, weekend edition uh, over here in the UK. Of course, the uh, controversial tax law uh, new uh, new tax code goes into effect April 6 here in the United Kingdom, um, and there's been a lot of talk about that even on this show about non domicile taxes, etc. So the uh, the first big uh, big loss for Britain because you know I also predict that a lot of companies will leave and a lot of cool shit is just not going to take place here because of this. So you'll love this. Um, Britain, uh, Britain's bid for the 2010 Champions League Finals, which is you know the huge uh, football competition at Wembley Arena, uh, they're out of the race because UEFA, which is the, uh, the governing body of, uh, of the Football Association, uh, said, you know what, uh, since you guys uh, aren't going to waive our players being taxed when they play in the UK, you're off. So, like the, the, the this is the country that is supposed to be the 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 new sports minded country. We have the Olympics coming up. They're now losing UEFA Championship football because of the tax
1: code, which has got to be worth millions and millions of dollars to the local businesses. Pounds, even. Sorry, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, we pounds. don't we don't talk about dollars anymore, uh, John. It's just not worth it. Boodle yeah, boodle. Well. Oh, by the way. Um, have you seen this documentary, The Money Masters? No. Okay, I'm I'm only one hour into it. It was brought to my attention by one of my listeners, the Daily Source Code at dailysourcecode.com, um, and it's a three and a half hour documentary. I think it's from it must. It looks like it's from the early 80s, and it it does look like it was a real television documentary uh, in its professionalism. But just from the just looking at the at the footage, it it pretty much looks like it was 80s. Um, or maybe even a little, or maybe late 70s, but it's about how um, banks came to rule the world. So they focus specifically on the Bank of England, which, surprise, surprise, is owned by private uh, individuals and, uh, and families and has nothing to do with the government or the Queen of England, and the Federal Reserve, which, of course, also has nothing to do with the government, of the United States and how how the system works and of course you and I I think we've, we understand kind of what's going on but they're able to simplify the process of how it works and how you know how basically doesn't matter who's running what country where these guys are running the whole show it's a fantastic piece of work I'll send you you can google it video uh, video um, it, it's like the top hit uh, the money masters three and a half hours and it's just completely engaging even if you know the story they did it so well and it's uh, mm. and i hope that lots of people watch it because it just shows you how how everything is running and the, the, even the the elections are a joke you know, these no the, the, the these two entities the federal reserve and bank of england and of course other central banks they control us because they literally control how much your house payment will be how much your car payment will be you know what your salary is going to be they they determine that random and, and not well random to us but for their own benefit whenever they need to do it so you know that's pretty much uh i think when uh the the lending hand is always above the borrowing hand right
1: well all i know is that uh it's fishy oh when you see this you'll you'll just your jaw will drop your jaw will drop. You'll be like, oh, of course. Now, does I, now it f- I get does it. it. Fit, does it fit in with the uh, confessions of an economic hitman? Oh, completely.
0: Uh, well, yeah. well um, in that system. Okay, so this, this is going back to, um, in fact, the, the, the American Revolution was because of central banking. They wanted to get away from that. It's it's fascinating, you know. So you know, every, we're taught in school it was about taxes. It, yeah, it was partially about taxes, but it was about um, um, uh, America having the colonial scrip, which was their own form of money. And you know they just issued enough for trade to take place, and everything worked. And there was you know there was no inflation, there was no national debt. You know it was just there was money in circulation, and everyone used it. And you know you could get more of it by selling more or or spending less. You know, and, and but there was just so much in circulation, it wasn't brought in, um, you know, through uh, through printing it through a, a third party who would then you know basically lend it to the to the uh, to the government. Fascinating! It's really an, an eye opener. Mm.
1: Well, definitely watch it.
0: Yes, I, in fact, I don't think you should go anywhere today. I think you should stay home uh, in your slippers, have a nice uh, cup of tea there, and uh, and, and, just watch sit there and watch this And watch this,
1: and then just get mad.
0: Um, you know what? You won't get. I'm not mad. Uh, I'm looking at. it. I'm going like, oh my gosh! Of course. I mean, it's really Rothschild. Rothschilds run the world, dude. Well, you know they make good wine too. (laughs) Not just wine; they got all kinds of stuff. (laughs) So we like them. I got nothing against the Rothschilds. (laughs) But you'll also understand how bank runs really work. You know, when everyone there's a run on the bank, and everyone wants to get their money out, and and of course then you immediately understand why you get. Um, Why there's attractive interest rates for locking up your money, which means you can't take it out for a certain period of time. Why? Because they're using that tenfold to, they basically lend it ten times over. Um,
1: it's, It's just phenomenal. Well, on the subject of colorless bankers, uh, I met a number of the Rothschilds over the over time. And they reminded me of the of character. A, lo- a lot of them, the British part of the family, of uh, the character. Did you ever see the movie The Good Shepherd with Matt Damon playing a CIA guy? Yes, I did. You know how he was basically in <laughs> and no personality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the way a lot of these uh, <laughs> that's the way they are. are. <laughs> the personality of a dish rag, essentially. <laughs> I actually enjoyed that movie. Mm. Yeah. It was kind of, you know, it, it was wasn't right. highly rated, you know, for spy movies, but it, it it brings up a lot of interesting points, including the skull and bones thing, yeah, which, right. you know, exactly. Now that I think about it. We have no candidate running for president currently that's a member of that a skull organization. And bones. Which well, has been, which is hmm. new in history. I mean, we, half the time, there's always one of these guys running the it's country. Always, the there's day. always someone running, right? But this guy, last guy, you know, Bush, has done such a crappy job that the whole, they should kick him out of the skull and bones.
0: Well, I think I think McCain, although technically not a member, I think he uh, he's a, does janitorial services for skull and bones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. At least he's not a, you know, it's, it's these Yalies. I mean, you know, William Buckley and the rest of them, they're all uh, characters.
0: He passed away, didn't he yeah you know my uh my uh, my cousin is married to Christopher uh Buckley's son is that right Christopher's also a writer, obviously
1: yeah, I think he's the editor now of the New Republic or the national Review.
0: Sorry. Yeah. yeah he's a nice guy you know I've, I've hung out with him a couple of times at you know big family gatherings, and uh he's all right, you know arrogant fuck, but he's okay. Hmm.
1: No, that was kind of bread. He's probably—I think he's a Yaley too. Um, I'd be s- yeah. surprised if he wasn't. So they yeah. all have that 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 well, personality. Well, my cousin divorced them. So, oh, oh so you won't see him anymore? Uh yeah, no, <laughs> uh, no. can I get the, him to do a
0: podcast? Uh, oh, you know, I I I, I remember. Um, when, you know, everyone had AOL and that was your email and that was kind of your information source. And, you know, it was before, you know, it, the, the history of AOL at a certain point, they actually opened up like pieces of the internet and that could, that could come in through little gateways and it still would be within the AOL uh, user interface and, and, um, and within its universe. And it was, you know, protected, you know, sanitized for your protection. Um, so I remember having a conversation with him, and he was like, you know, the internet, who, who cares? The internet is stupid. That's nothing. It's like CB radio. It's dumb. You know, AOL. You know, I remember having quite a conversation with him. And uh, <clears throat> I think it was uh, <clears throat> at least six years, seven years later, and uh, several, several million dollars in my pocket, and he had to
1: concede. Well, it's about time. Yeah. But... Anyway no, I'm reminded of you know, there's a bunch of these guys that are a certain level of society that they don't have the, the either the wherewithal, the time, or the desire to really learn anything at all about computing, computers, the internet. I mean, they're, they're they can get by. Yeah, because you know and the secretary does their email. The secretary does all the work, and the thing is, is they make these these ridiculous comments. Everyone. So I want to. I remember when I was writing for Forbes, I read an editorial by uh, Steve Forbes who went on and on. And this was like, you know, in the late nineties or whenever. And it was about how things are going to change in the next couple of years because computers are finally going to become appliances. And, <laughs> and you can just see, it was just a wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah. Computers have never and never will become appliances. Because You'll have a not smart refrigerator. Appliances. You know, they're not appliances. It's like a car becoming an appliance. You have to learn how to drive one. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. That'd be nice if you could just jump in a vehicle, punch in where you want to go, and boom, you're there. But what, that's not the case.
0: What bugs me is um, that you know they, there's never any real encouragement, or and they never really got to the right tools to enable people to actually program their computers. You know, the, the, and there's been a lot of efforts. And if you, if you have half a brain, you can learn to program something, you know, like Apple Script or some other, I think scripting languages mainly. But, you know, for your computer to do more, you know, to automate stuff that is redundant for you on the computer. that I've never felt this, enough has been done that way.
1: It's always... I agree with that a thousand percent. And in the early days of the computers, uh, the desktop computers from 1976 to about 1986, that was encouraged a lot more. There was basic and there's all these languages yeah. that were easy to use. And then the professionals came in, you know, and they said kind of swept it away when C which is nothing you can casually learn and some of these other languages became dominating and then the next thing you know they just kind of gave up on it and even with the macro languages and some of these other things they're they're either too complicated or stupid and after the modem era was over when you you know you had to learn some macro languages to make those things work properly yeah, yeah. yeah that was it it just died off and now you don't do it now it's just punch a, you know click on something you know run a program click on something else get your email do a search
0: yeah, have you have you ever tried um, Automator on the Mac? I think it's called Automator, isn't it? Is that what it's called?
1: It comes standard. I've seen it. I, yeah, I saw it sitting there. It's got a robot icon, and it's on yeah. the Mac. I have at the office. Yeah, and I've not. I, I I've been meaning to click on it. Well, I actually got into AppleScript uh, a while back, and I've
0: always kind of kept up with it. <clears throat> you know, so you have scriptable applications and. Uh, you know, passing data from one process to the other, and uh, well, you saw like some of the stuff that I'd done with uh, with my setup, with you know, uh, understanding MIDI commands, and it's really powerful. You know, if you if you have some type of control over what your computer is doing, you know, which can involve multiple applications or 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 um, processes that you know you're probably doing by hand you know and it's Yeah I, no you what
1: you did is a phenomenon or uh, phenomenal but you took 4 years to do it
0: um well yeah because the not that I didn't understand what I wanted to do or that I would you know um or that I could put the effort into learning how to do it but literally the tools were not available so the buses and uh um, you know the, the the audio interfaces and uh, APIs, I guess you would call them, or um, you know, system hooks or whatever. And you know, there was just no tools to get to it. You know, I mean, yeah, if you're if you're a programmer, you can you can delve in and do something at a at a lower level type uh, language like C. Um, but for just a guy who would you know, who can understand the concept of scripting and just want some stuff to to happen or connect, you know, thing A to to widget B. I just there was just no way to do it and and so now there was a way to do it and the particular application I wanted to make which involves uh, a lot of heavy audio processing um the machine actually is strong enough to do it
1: now. So my stepson says he'll help you get the patent if you uh <laughs> really? if, you, if you tell him what you did.
0: Sure. Well I well I thought you know it should be a full uh, a full on family effort man. You got to be a part of this.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I'll show them. How, I mean, I've done it. I've gotten. I've done patents. Yeah, what pa- what patent do you own? I did a. I don't own any patents, but I've helped people do patents and uh, went through a, the real process with the patent office. With a um, uh, years ago, a guy came up with a uh, a a weird. Recycle, recycling separator. This guy used to work at a at a scrap yard and invented this crazy device which sucks paper out of it. It's just that you throw all this stuff on this big spinning thing with a vacuum behind it and it sucks all different different things with different densities onto it and then shoots it off someplace on a conveyor belt. You have to look at some of these places, these huge scrap yards and how they operate to see what, uh, what the, you'll see this kind of device. Anyway, help me get patented.
0: It's funny, it's, it's never really interested me to go to a scrap yard.
1: So I was in its air pollution inspector, and I had to go to scrap yards to see, because there'd be smoke coming from I of I was an air places. pollution inspector, I was an air pollution <laughs> inspector, gonna clean up all your air, gonna clean up all... Like that? Sounds like a song.
0: Oh, Terminal 5. Like a song ready to happen. John, I got, some more, I got some more cool shit for you, man. You'll love this. Uh, Heathrow's Terminal 5 took uh, 19 years of planning and building, cost uh, $8 billion to build... Mm-hmm. opened up a fucking disaster. <laughs> they, they've they canceled uh, hundreds of flights. The, ba- the Something went wrong with the baggage system, and it always is with the baggage oh. system, right? It's always the baggage system. All- Don't they ever
1: test these things?
0: But they're not telling us exactly what went wrong, but it's not the airport, because BA, British Airways, who has exclusive use of this terminal... Um, uh, has said, you know, it's our mistake, it's our fuck up, it's not BAA, and 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 saying at the same time they're very critical of BAA, who who own all the airports. It's so that's British Airport Authority. Um, it's not their fault. It has something to do with their baggage handlers, or I mean, it's a staffing issue. Clearly, because everything else is apparently working. Um, but they've had people, you know, sleeping overnight. You know, people waiting four hours for their bags to get off of the plane, uh, not uh. being able to check in with any baggage at all except for hand luggage. It's I mean, it's just been absolutely this is disastrous. more reason never to check bags. Yeah, I know. But then you've got all that liquid restrictive restriction shit, and I got product, baby. I got product for my hair. I got product for my face. I got product for all kinds of stuff, and it's not all in one hundred milliliter bottles.
1: Put it in one hundred milliliter bottles. How much of this stuff do you need? Ever travel with somebody <laughs> takes big giant bottles of shampoo I mean it's like, <laughs> what no, is but the I point have a lot of rolling sp- around all this
0: stuff. I have a lot of small bottles i got product i 'm like a 'm like a
1: woman no comment <laughs> so uh... <laughs> thanks change your ways uh you you are
0: right though you are absolutely right it 's uh but sometimes you, just, you got to. Clothing, oh, the dog is pissed off. He's saying, it's time to wrap it up.
1: <laughs> we actually got about eight minutes left before we get to the 70-minute mark. This show has been going on a long time. But it's,
0: I'm not getting a lot. Well, the only people who complain about it are those two jabronis.
1: But I don't hear anyone else complaining about the length. Well, it just seems to me that it should fit on a one CD, but yeah. No, I mean, I don't care. seems like an okay idea. I got a couple more complaints, if anybody wants to hear them. Let me see. Um, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll take another complaint. So, uh, Jose Canseco is the guy, as a baseball player, is the guy who was responsible for the steroid thing in baseball being broke, blown wide open with this book that he did, I think it was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. called Juiced. And he named all the people that he had helped get. And he's a big steroid Juiced. promoter. Juice, which yeah, of course
0: ju- is the exact same name as the uh, video, uh, video program.
1: Juiced. You spell it differently, but juice, J-O-O-S-T. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it is the same juiced. The pronunciation, Juiced. Right. But anyway, he uh, named all these names. And he actually, when he comes on, he's like a big steroid user. He, he's, he, he probably has a prescription, I don't know what, but he's, he stays pumped up on this stuff. He's huge. And he thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And then he talked, and it, I guess a lot of baseball players have <laughs> found it was very useful because... <laughs> It was a a myth that, well, you know, people would always, I remember during the era when it was really being discussed a lot, was, well, you know, you can take all the steroids you want, but that doesn't mean you're going to hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. You know, that takes other skills. It turned out that a lot of steroid use doesn't, it actually increases all kinds of things other than just pure strength. It also makes you more likely to hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball if you were whiffing at it. But anyway, so it was like, so, so it became a scandal. And so now he's got another book coming out. Where he's naming more names, oh, and uh, which will keep this controversy going for a while. So I'm watching the uh, TV version of the Jim Rome, Rome is burning show, and Jamel Hill was on, and she go, brings up this topic, and she said something interesting to me that kind of kind of triggered a thought or two, which was that. She says that the problem with all this, that these accusations that Canseco makes in the book, he says he gave somebody the needle and the butt, and then he he told, he told hooked up some other guy with a the, with the drug dealer and all the rest of it. She says the problem is there's no second source. There's no second source for this information. No second source. This became a big thing in journalism. Oh, there's no, there's no second source. No second source. You have to triangulate. So I had to start thinking about the second source concept, and I and I realized that Hemingway, when he's reporting about World War II, was just reporting what he saw. Uh, uh- George Sells, the famous uh, correspondent in Italy, he was he would write about what the what the, what they're doing. And they would go into the newspaper. There was no second source for correspondence. They would go someplace, take a look at something, and report on it. They didn't have to say, "Well, look, I see that big oak tree over there is uh, is is dying. Let me get a second source in here to confirm what I'm seeing." I mean, you doesn't that okay. Doesn't so,
0: exist. so so wait, So your beef is that um, all of a sudden there seems to be some unwritten new journalistic rule which is uh, not uh, official
1: well yeah that's one of my <laughs> okay. beats but it, but I what it boils down to in fact in, in Straight reporting, where you're it was essentially staying in the office and phoning people, you're supposed to get not only a, a quote from one person, but a counter quote from somebody right, else, and a right. neutral quote. You're supposed to get the three quotes, and you're supposed to have a second source for anything that. But if you actually are witnessing the situation or you're a participant, why would you need a second source? You're just saying what you saw.
0: Ah, okay. So, I, mean, I
1: don't need a second source to say that the world no, is. Crap no, no,
0: no, no. I got it. I got it. Let, Here, let me tack something on for you. This is. More of the "don't edit your own Wikipedia page" bullshit, which is another. You know, that's that's where I fucked up. I didn't know that you. I mean, certainly not uh, three years ago. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to edit your own Wikipedia page. Wasn't I fucking there? D- d- am I not some kind of
1: authority? That's that's it, what this is. It's uh, it's right, a cultural it's shift. Like, there's a lot of mistakes in the Wikipedia that could be easily corrected by the person that this that the post is about. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's actually idiotic not to edit your own Wikipedia page so you can maintain accuracy. The reason, of course, they don't want you doing it is because you're going to take out any, all the negative stuff. But what's, what's negative stuff about people unless they're criminals even in there for? I mean, the Wikipedia thing is is sketchy in a lot of ways. But the second source thing, you know, because I've got a new correspondent I'm going to be working with who's a Chinese guy who goes to China a lot and um, who's uh, – I think he's calling himself Hong Mao Teng, I think something like that. Oh, right, anyway, yeah, like it's an alias. Yeah, like he doesn't have a reporting. real name. He was just in, in. He was just in Tibet, and he's and he essentially just goes and he's, and he's going to be reporting. And I'm not going to get any second source. I think. Why do I need a second source? You don't need a second source when somebody's there reporting uh and so i found it weird that she would say this woman uh on the show would say that cansego needed a second source and i realized that that's this a bunch of malarkey you don't need a second source when you're just 90 percent of the time if you're there you don't need a second source you're looking you're reporting what do you need a second source for and why does this come up in the conversation
0: Okay, well, I've given you my input. I I can't help you anymore with that one.
1: No, no, I appreciate that too. But I just think it's a it's an interesting phenomenon. Where oh, you know, well, you can say all, that all you want, but I'd like to see a second source, you know, second opinion. It's like you're going to another doctor, <laughs> second source. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, Well, uh, I guess no one, no one trusts anyone anymore. And you know, and even if you have second, third, and fourth source, you know, the truth is, <laughs> is whatever your perception was at that time. I think there's always three or four sides to the truth. It's just the way it is.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the do you even yeah. have any complaints this week? I mean, I'm just sitting here griping all the time. No, no, I'm, like I'm a, a big gripe.
0: You know what? I'm I'm actually pretty happy because uh, Patricia is has been in Holland all week doing the um, the Holland Got Talent. Uh, Show? No, no, no. This is great. I I, I love the name. Well, well, it comes from America Got Talent and Britain Got Talent. You know, this is a huge formula. This is like dancing with the stars type of audience, like uh, Pop Idol, American Idol. I mean, this is a worldwide uh, successful format. So. You know that it 's almost no risk when you walk into when someone says, "Do you want to do this show?" because it's a, you know these shows don 't fail anywhere the formula is tweaked it 's perfect but of course you know if you are a good judge um, you know that can re- you know that's that 's really important for the show, so really the casting and it is casting uh, of the judges in these reality shows uh, makes all the difference and it 's not just how um, how knowledgeable you are about uh, either singing, or in this case it 's a, a wide variety of performance uh, art <laughs> i 'd say but it 's also your reactions and you know and and it 's really about how you approach it and you know they always want to have the Simon Cowell type person, maybe the softer person. Um, and really what works and what is always the, the, the core of the, uh, of the success of this formula is one person who is just honest, not a dick. It may come across that way, but the person is just honest. Uh, and that is my wife to the T and, but she can actually say things so honestly that it's, you know, to just cut your legs off at the knee, but you still feel good about it. Um, so the first episode aired last night, huge ratings like a 20 share, just off the charts. Um and so that's been exciting, you know. She's worked really really hard on it and uh and you literally, you know, you you, you work all uh, you know for a couple of weeks and then um you know, they broadcast it the next morning. That's your uh, that's your number, right? That's your report card. That's what it's all about in 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 that uh, uh, arena.
1: After after the show airs, I mean, do they they, they, do they put them all in the can quickly? I mean, they don't. Do, do, do does you have to go back every week? No. Do do, well, yeah. So here's to... the,
0: here's the way it works. So they've done uh, they've completed now two weeks of the um, uh, of taping in the theater with a, with with an audience, but it's kind of like the audition round, if you will. So uh, so ninety percent is going to go away, and then uh, they have the next round, which will be uh, four live shows in May. Um, and that's really counting down, you know, to the final person. So those will be done live, but I think they've probably done shit. I don't know. They, they must've done eight, maybe eight episodes that will be the, uh, uh, the audition rounds, which of course are a lot of what the fun is about. And then by the time you've finally become endeared to, uh,
1: yeah, no. The audition rounds, as far as I'm concerned, is the only entertainment on these shows. Yeah, the uh, because but, but, it's fun. But then you get hooked. You get
0: hooked on on you yeah. know someone that you just really turn on to, and then yeah. that pulls you into the watching the live shows and voting and all that excitement. It's yeah, fabulous. Yeah. It's it's
1: if you're it's unlucky, good. you get hooked. But anyway, the uh, <laughs> so you're telling me so the so the formula so the way they do this, they shoot like a like. What eight to ten shows, and they get those in the can, so they just work real hard to get those done, and then they they have to go back. Then they have to actually go live because like I guess they want phone ins and Correct. the rest of it. Yep. week after week after week, and that's kind of the that must be the grind.
0: Well, no, the, um, that, that, those four live shows are great because you know the show is only going to last you know an hour and a half or whatever it is. That's live television is great because you start and the, the shit's just going to end at some point. Whatever you do, and it's over. You know, there's no going back and fixing it. Um, so, you know, these shows every day from like, uh, one in the afternoon until 10 at night, you know, one after another, I mean, it's, uh, and it's, and it's not front to back shows. Um, they do openings and closes, etc. but it's really just all performances. They're sitting there watching one after another and it's, you know, like grandmas on roller blades. It's, you know, all kinds of crazy shit. And a lot of it is just, you know, I, I was there the last time when Patricia was doing the first week of shows, and the the judges are just so um, so tired uh, after you know one of these days of taping and just you know emotionally drained from looking at you know some really bad performances.
1: So do they have do, and they do a wardrobe change? I I would assume between yeah, each. Yeah. Yeah so yep. you sh- shoot for an hour and then you change and you go back and uh, yeah that would be yeah. I mean this miserable. is
0: all post production um it, it and it's believe me uh yeah I think the person who deserves to win always wins but man this thing is it's all post production it's it, they really put this together well it's art I mean what an art form and it just makes for a fun fun entertaining show and laugh about some people and get emotionally involved with others and has no other redeeming quality
1: or value Yep, no value whatsoever. In fact, I, I was watching the. In fact, I can't even watch much television. The networks are always wondering what's what's going on. You watch shows like uh, uh, what's that one with Howie Mandel, where you guess a. You oh a yeah, I like that. It's um, am, deal or Amnesia. No, deal. no, no.
0: Well, you have Dealer No Deal, and then Dennis Miller's doing a show now. I think Amnesia. It's,
1: just, it's worse. The but uh, I like Dealer yeah. No Deal. That's a great show. It's an idiotic show. There's no questions. There's no skills. It's just like you guess, and then you watch people go off the deep end because they think they're going to make more money because they can't do simple math and look up on the <laughs> screen and say, yeah, no, I think uh, $250,000 is enough. I doubt that I picked the million dollars and it's in the suitcase I'm sitting next to. Besides, even if it is, why should I go through all the anguish? And it's probably not. It's probably five bucks. But no, I'm not going to take the $250,000 quarter of a million, even though I'm not making any money and I'm
0: poor. So listen, and so 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 they the, go off and they walk off with
1: five bucks. Then it's you wait, you, you need to see no, no, you need
0: to see a different show. You need to watch the show that Jerry Springer hosts. And will, it's p- and it's called uh, nothing but the truth. OK,
1: I've I watched that show once. It's unwatchable. I love that
0: show. I love that show. It's, this is this is my favorite question. OK, so it's always around the five thousand dollar mark. And of course, it's all based on lie detector stuff, which is all totally sketchy. But let's just say that, you know, this is, I mean, it really comes down to people saying things in front of their friends and family who are sitting there. So the question I love the most is, have you ever um, fantasized about gay sex? I love that question. (laughs) It's so funny. And you see these guys just going like, oh, fuck, man. You know, it, it, it. if I lie, then I'm going to lose the five thousand dollars. But if I say yes, it's like I'm I'm never going to live this down. You know, my homies are going to be laughing well, at you me. Know,
1: that that show is, is rigged weird anyway, because the, the, the questions and answers are all pre-prepared. Yeah, you, you, I don't like early. that either. Yeah, and you know, the but whole, it, but the it show, doesn't it matter. Sake, but, that's, that, but that part is so it's, entertaining. It makes you itch. It makes you scratch. It makes you it makes you cringe <laughs> to watch that show. That <laughs> show is an example of what's wrong with television. It shouldn't be encouraged. <laughs> no, no, People no, no. should watch it they should shoot the people who produce it that would be a good idea i love that show john you, I, you have the worst <laughs> taste in
0: television oh please oh oh look just because i'm on the cutting edge on the working tip of what's going on in media today doesn't mean i have horrible As taste. the
1: media goes off the cliff
0: look, the I, these shows are not going off the cliff. These are the only shows that will be left because they're inexpensive to produce, highly entertaining, no other not offensive or or, or useful in any other way whatsoever. It is chewing gum for the brain. It is fantastic. I love it. It's good for us. Everything else should be done it's online. It us. should be it cheap. It
1: is not good for us. It's probably the most detrimental programming in the world. It's turned turning the public into a bunch of jackasses that don't know anything about anything. A good show on current events is, is what we need. People are so stupid. It's it's because of these shows. They're just stupefied by it. It is worse than the worst kind of drug. Well, I don't know what to say now. You've hurt my feelings. Oh,
0: boy. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, let me just think, Uh, uh, I don't know, you know what, 75 minutes, forget about it. I'm going to think, let me think about this and I'll get back to you next week. (laughs) That's my new signal, the time is up, John.
1: So you're going to let me, you're going to let it end with my rant about your taste in television? Yep, I'm just going to have to end it there. Okay. Uh, You You got me, you got me, you You got me, what can I say? You'll have to come back with something next week, then.
0: Yes. Not that we have an agenda or anything. <laughs> uh, you really got me you got me going there for a moment. But I, but I think I'm I'm afraid if we get into it the, the show will be two hours. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, we okay. should you save that topic. Let's for end later. on a high. We're
0: ending on a high, so that people can. They're already yelling. That, in fact, a lot of people are going to help me formulate my uh, my rebuttal next week. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> uh,
1: all right. Uh, so are you doing twit today? Oh, no, tomorrow. No, I think that Leo took off. He's off traveling somewhere again. Oh, you know, was in Mongolia or something. Oh, good.
0: Because then we get a lot more listeners. I think that could be. Yeah. And uh, also a lot of uh, people who are uh, like Dvorak, uh, Dvorak groupies are showing up. Oh,
1: it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend, hey, that was entertaining. I think. Uh, Yeah, and we'll be back again next week with more good stuff. (laughs) For sure. From the Curry Manor in a wet Britain, my name is Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak in a eh, slightly wet Northern California. We'll talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda.